Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Episode 177 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you from the tri-state area with a brand spanking new podcast. It's good to be back. Made it back in one piece. Happy to be here. Happy to see some fall weather. Uh, my car is in one piece. I can happily report. Uh, really appreciate all of you sticking with the show despite the Trials and tribulations that went on last week. Had to record it off a voice memo off my phone with headphones in because I uh, just didn't you know, have access to everything that I needed to do the podcast. I was out on the road, not literally, but you know, in a hotel. Didn't have all my stuff. Had to get my car fixed. So uh, really appreci- appreciate all of you sticking with it. A lot of you still tuned into the show anyway, and it really means a lot. So... Thank you for that. Hope you're all doing well and safe. A week away from Thanksgiving. Um, Real quick, uh, speaking of that, the only housekeeping note for me this week about the show is that I'll probably be recording on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Of course, Thanksgiving falls on a Thursday. We do this, I think, every year. We have to record it a day early. Uh, Obviously, like I'm sure many of you have, um, family's coming over. So uh, Thursday is going to be... Uh, for the family, so I'm going to re- be recording early on Wednesday, most likely, and then helping the family get ready for our guests on Thursday. Really looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite holidays. I hope it's one of yours as well. It's a lot of fun, especially when there's family and friends around. So hope you all have that uh, to look forward to. Let's talk some Knicks. There's a lot to talk about this week. I do want to get to a little bit of a state of the NBA 
as well, looking around at the rest of the league as we kind of hitting a checkpoint in this regular season. We're getting close to that 15-20 game mark for most teams, and it's interesting when you look around the league to see where everybody's at right now. But first and foremost, there's an elephant in the room, and that elephant needs to be addressed. What a topsy-turvy week for people that want Tom Thibodeau to be fired, I guess is the best way to begin this podcast. A lot of people calling for Tom Thibodeau to be fired earlier in the week, and I I get it, and I, and I also don't get it in a way as well, right? I mean, the Knicks overall, and our, the week we kind of go by is week between podcasts, the, the Knicks had that absolutely terrible performance in Brooklyn, their worst of the season to this point. And listen, they followed it up with a very strong win against the Detroit Pistons, a, a game that the Knicks needed to have, and they showed it in the first half. And you know the, the game was pretty much decided going into the fourth quarter, and then the Knicks you know, saw the game out. From there, it really uh, was a pretty textbook performance. The Knicks have now taken two from the Pistons this season. They play them again, actually later this month, believe it or not, final weekend or final days of the month, and then they play them again early in the new year. So the Knicks have taken care of business so far against a Detroit team that just can't win on the road to save their lives uh, to start this season. Again, it's a team that has a lot of talent, but like I said in my preseason preview, just feel like it's a team that's not going to do well to win games with the talent. And the Knicks got a huge performance from their big three. Nobody else was in double figures. R.J. Barrett had his best game of the season. He had 30 points, at least at this point, 30 points and five rebounds. How about Jalen Brunson? 26 points and seven assists. He was phenomenal in this game. And then Julius Randle, despite uh, severely... Uh, cooling down from the three-point line. He missed all seven of his threes. Still had 21 points, eight rebounds, five assists, and the big one, two turnovers. So a 121-112 win was just what the doctor ordered for the Knicks after an abysmal performance against the Brooklyn Nets. But then the Thunder came into the Garden, and the Knicks lost a very very, um, what's the right word? I guess, I guess embarrassing could be the word, but for me, it was mostly on the defensive end. The Knicks offensively had one of their best nights of the season, actually. They played really, really well on the offensive end of the floor, but the Knicks couldn't get a stop to save their lives, and in the end, the Thunder put up 145 on the Knicks in the garden, and that was stunning. Second in the third quarter in particular, Knicks played well in the opening quarter. Put up, I think, if I remember correctly, it was a season high, 48 points in a quarter for the Knicks in that first quarter, but they let the Thunder starters run wild in the middle two quarters. I mean, listen, the Knicks starters and even guys off the bench had big games, right? I mean, Cam Reddish had 26, Randall had 25. Quickly, best game of the season for him, 24 off the bench. Toppin was in double figures. Brunson, Hartenstein, 
in double figures as well. Uh, the, the big absentee, of course, you know, R.J. Barrett in 19 minutes had four points, two of ten from the field. Statistically, probably his worst performance of the season. And the Knicks defensively uh, couldn't have been much worse. They, they were absolutely terrible for a good portion of the, I guess, middle chunk of the game, the second quarter and the third quarter. In those two quarters, just those two quarters alone, the Thunder scored 86 points. I, I mean, it's just, that, that tells you the story of the game. You can't let a team score 86 points in that little that little period of time, in just two quarters. They scored 86 points, leaking defensively. Shea Gilders Alexander, the latest young NBA player to have a huge game at the Garden. He had 37 points and eight assists. But it was the others that really killed the Knicks, I thought. Lugens Dort, an Arizona State product for me, is a slightly above average NBA player. He had 24 points in 24 minutes. Josh Giddy has a bright future ahead of him. He had a triple double 24 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. You're letting Josh Giddy get a triple double on you at the Garden. And that performance <laughs> led to many, many people calling for Tom Thibodeau's head. That's it. Enough's enough. Are we really going to ride the rest of the season with Tom Thibodeau? And listen, I, after the game, I, I was in bad shape. In bad shape. I'm thinking, how can you let a team like the Thunder, who are not going to go anywhere in the West this year, they're really not. Again, they're, they're, their big years are going to be three or four years down the road. You know? And they put up 145 points on a team that's supposed to be strong defensively. And they do it on your home floor. Where the Knicks are... Again, this is where the Knicks struggled last year. was at the Garden. That's where they really didn't win enough last season. This felt like a... a this game against the Thunder felt like a game from last year. Where the Knicks did enough in, in a couple of categories to win. But in one big category... And it happened against the Celtics earlier this season at the Garden as well defensively, and it was all over the floor. Like, at least against the Celtics, it was, you know, the perimeter that they just couldn't guard well enough. This was in all facets of the game. The, the Knicks were dreadful in every aspect of their defensive part of the game. And that's on Tom Thibodeau. So let's start there, right? That's what Tom Thibodeau bring, supposed to bring to your team, that edge on the defensive end of the floor. It was not there. It, clear as day, the Knicks did not bring it on the defensive end of the floor. Even in the first quarter, the Knicks had to outscore OKC. They, they, were led, they led by 12 after one, but, but the Knicks scored 48 points. They never do that. So, so rare the Knicks even score 40. The Knicks scored almost 50 points in the first quarter. But OKC had 36. Like a normal Knick quarter, you'd still be down, you know? So the Knicks were lucky after one quarter a little bit because they had their best scoring quarter, I believe, of the whole season so far. Very crooked number, 48. 
but then you let OKC score 43 points in the second quarter and 43 points in the third quarter. And the game was, was just about done after that. You know, going into the fourth, game was pretty much done. I mean, the Knicks made it a little bit more, you know, respectable than it was. I believe the OKC lead at, at the end of three quarters was 16 points. They were dominating the Knicks at times. At the Garden, a team that's not going to be challenging a whole lot in the West. So that was a, a, a big concern. And again, one of the reasons I think that that was trending on Twitter or, or whatever, you know, the conversation about Tibbs' future really started to perk up, was because of what the Knicks had next on the schedule. And I said this too. The Knicks after that game were after the Thunder game were six and seven, and then you had to look at their schedule coming up. And at the, at that time, the next five were on the road, and you're thinking, oh boy, oh boy, the Knicks could be in serious trouble by Thanksgiving, and that's the sentiment I had. I really did. I thought the Knicks were going to be in big trouble if they didn't win that OKC game. I think I said it on the show. And if the Knicks didn't get the next two against Detroit and OKC, it could be a long road trip. And the Knicks only got a split. So, to be honest with you, going into the Utah game on Tuesday, I, I, I wasn't too sure. You know, I'm not sure if Tom Thibodeau was coaching for his job. I, I think that that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But the Knicks came out swinging in Utah. They really did. And we'll get to the Jazz a little bit, you know, on a macro scale later on, but you could argue that the Utah Jazz are the most surprising team in the NBA so far this season. They really have shocked a lot of people with how well they have played. And remember, they traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, the Utah Jazz. And Going into the game, the Jazz were a perfect 5-0 and on their home floor. They hadn't lost in Utah yet this season. So the writing was kind of on the wall for the Knicks to lose this game. But they pulled it out. I, I mean, again, the, the Knicks had a good start to the first quarter, but Utah led after one. The second quarter completely changed the game in my opinion. The Knicks going into the half with a lead really was important for the second half. And when it was closing time, when the Knicks needed big buckets in the fourth, down the stretch, they got them. They got them. And once again, by the way, Jalen Brunson, tremendous at 25-8. and eight. Cam Reddish is really turning out to be a nice pickup, right? For those that have been ripping... Tom Thibodeau of late. Cam Reddish comes in, and again, Tom Thibodeau didn't want him. That goes against him in that category. But he's used Cam Reddish pretty well. He's found a role for Cam Reddish on this team, right? It's what coaches have to do, even with players that they get overruled on, that are brought in. Tom Thibodeau has used Cam Reddish rather nicely since he's become healthy for this team. And, you know, Julius Randle has a ho-hum kind of night, 15 points. I thought R.J. Barrett uh, would have actually had a pretty nice night if he had made a few more free throws. I think he missed six of eight, or no, sorry, six of his 14. 
from the charity stripe. That's not great. You got to clean that up, obviously. But other than that, I, I thought RJ had a pretty good night. 18 points. He makes he makes three or four more. He has a you know a solid solid night. But how about Jericho Sims off the bench? Maybe his best game is a Nick. 11 and 13 rebounds. Eight of them on the offensive end of the floor, and quickly had 13 points again off the bench. And the Knicks bench was played pretty thin. Knicks only played four guys off the bench. And how about Obi Toppin having the best plus minus on the team? Plus 23, nine points, six rebounds, four assists, only missed one shot from the field. Very efficient in his 18 minutes on the floor. I would take that from Obi Toppin every night, just about. Again, I always like I always like him to get into double figures and, and score a little bit more, but when he does a little bit of everything, the Knicks tend to win. The Knicks tend to win when Obi Toppin makes a big impact off the bench. So, more positives recently from the Knicks bench, and the Knicks outscore the Jazz by 9 in the fourth quarter, and they come back to win it 118 to 111 and it's a huge win it was the it's the Jazz's first home loss of the season and the Knicks had to dodge some pretty big performances from a couple of unlikely sources you know Mike Connolly Jr. struggled Jordan Clarkson was pretty poor from the field and had five turnovers and Laurie Markkinen who's kind of been one of the big revelations or re-revelations for this Jazz team. He kind of bounced around since his time with the Bulls, but he's been much better this season. He only had 13 points, and I think that the Knicks would definitely take that. Taylor Horton Tucker and Malik Beasley and others made an impact off the bench, but it wasn't enough, and Knicks got back to 500. It was a very key win in a place where I don't think many people thought it was going to be a tough place to go, at least in the early parts of the season. But Utah has been strong, surprisingly so in the West. And it's one of the better Nick wins they've had, I thought, this season, considering how well Utah was playing overall going into the game. I, I think the Knicks can feel really good about that as a bounce-back win. Then the Knicks had their best win of the season. You know, you could argue the Knicks hadn't really had a marquee win yet. I was actually looking at this beforehand. And before these two straight road wins, and again, we're going to get into the Denver win in a second, I was kind of racking my brain. And the Philly win on the road and the Minnesota win on the road stood out as the Knicks' best wins of the season so far, probably edging the Minnesota one, obviously, because Philly wasn't at full strength. But neither was Minnesota. You know, Rudy Gobert missed the game. He was in health and safety protocols and you know you're coming off this win over the Utah Jazz and you have to go take on a really deep Denver team you know and again big, biggest thing there obviously about this one is I believe Nikola Jokic did not play in this game I, mi- I actually missed a good chunk of this game I had to watch the highlights back Denver's a deep team, man. Very difficult to beat at home. It was their first, uh, first or second, I think, home defeat. 
of the season for Denver. Their first. They hadn't lost at home all year. And the Knicks come out with a 106-103 win. Ton of lead changes in the fourth quarter in particular. It was tight from start to finish. Nobody really got a big lead, if I remember correctly, in this game. Very, very tight contest. We saw a little bit of what Jamal Murray is capable of as a relatively healthy player. 21 points, 9 rebounds. Six assists, he's a really, really good all-around player. The kid out of Kentucky. Bones Highland off the bench at 21. Uh, two other players off the bench were in double figures. Contavious Caldwell-Pope only had 13 points. That ended up being pretty key down the stretch. And the Knicks, who had played so poorly defensively in, in a couple of their more recent games, had some big, big moments in the fourth quarter on the defensive end of the floor, and they win it 106-103. I mean, again, Julius Randle led the way, 34-11, had another phenomenal game as a Nick. R.J. Barrett scuffled. R.J. Barrett had a really, really rough night. Cam Reddish was in double figures. Jalen Brunson is giving you really strong numbers night in and night out, 21-7 and assists. And, and frankly, Jalen Brunson is the Knicks' go-to player in crunch time situations. If it's not going to be you know, Julius Randle all the time anymore, Jalen Brunson needs to have the ball in his hands in every late-game situation the Knicks find themselves in. He tends to make the right choice, and that's how the game kind of finished. The Knicks made a lot of good decisions on the offensive end of the floor, defensively made some critical, critical stops down the stretch, and they were tested. The Knicks were tested. Again, this is not Denver at their full strength, but it's pretty darn close. And this is right up there with Utah as the Knicks' best win of the season. It felt that way in the moment, and I was really impressed with the way the Knicks handled the latter stages of the fourth quarter, where it looked like a couple of times that Denver was going to find a way. And the Knicks stuck with it, and we're able to see it out, right? I mean, again, after the third quarter, kind of thinking, all right, the Knicks have some work to do in the fourth, but can they finish it off? And boy, did they. I was really, really impressed. I think the Knicks are now 500. Uh, they have a 500 record on the road through 15 games. I think you'd take that, and they're 8-7 and seven on the, you know, as a whole so far through 15 games and this felt like a very important one to get you know and that 34 points was a season high for Julius Randle as well and the Knicks actually won for the first time in Denver in 16 years that was a shocking stat believe it or not to read Knicks hadn't won in Denver in almost 20 years The streak ends, and the Knicks will get the Nuggets again at the Garden in March. We'll see if if Nikola Jokic is available. But the Knicks beat Denver, 106-103. Big, big win for New York. They've now won two straight, both of them on the road to begin this five-game road stretch. Again, it doesn't get easier, right? The the, the hardest games are coming up. Uh, The game tomorrow when you listen to the podcast On Friday, Golden State on the road, Phoenix on the road, 
and then a, a big rematch against OKC. If you can't get the Golden State game or if you can't get the Phoenix game, get some revenge on OKC. A little bit of retribution and defend way better, obviously, than the first meeting. And again, it doesn't get easier, but then you throw in some more home games and you're hoping the Knicks can maybe go on a little bit of a run. That, that's been the, the biggest key, and Tom Thibodeau stressed this, has been consistency. And the Knicks have won two in a row. Let's see what they do from here, you know, moving forward. Before we take a break, I do want to kind of bookend the first half of the show by mentioning my thoughts on, on the calls for Tom Thibodeau to be fired. Um, at the time, it would have been, you know, what, 13 games uh, into the season before the Knicks pulled out these last two. Knicks fans are impatient, right? And I get it. I understand why. I, I, as a Knicks fan, try not to go down this road very often. It doesn't lead me into good, you know, head spaces and, and things like that. You get frustrated and all that stuff. But to call for Tom Thibodeau's head, and, and this is a general thought on people wanting their coaches in sports to be to be fired. I didn't. I don't know if I saw one person who said that Tom Thibodeau should be fired and gave a gave an alternative, let alone a good alternative. I didn't see many people give an alternative at all. Just fire him. Like, what? This is, this is the part that boggles my mind. You can't fire a coach or say a coach should be fired without even mentioning who will be replacing him. And frankly, if you're just going to say it's going to be Rick Brunson or someone off the bench, it's not good enough. Not good enough. This is a team that's supposed to be making the postseason. So let's just bring on the assistant to coach? No shot. No chance. And the other part of that is, who the hell are you going to hire? What are you going to do with that? I didn't see anybody name anyone as a potential replacement, let alone anybody good. So you're saying, well, you know, they lose to OKC, fire him. And again, then what? There's no contingency plans being thrown out there by people that are going to fire Tom Thibodeau. I get so tired of this. It's not how it's done, people. If you're going to do it this early, there needs to be a plan. And clearly, the Knicks, for now, that's what it seems like. Not that Tom Thibodeau, by the way, not that Tom Thibodeau is not under pressure. Of course he is. But Tom Thibodeau is going to have time to figure this out. <laughs> He's going to be given a little bit of time here. And I even said in the preseason, if we get to January, and the Knicks are in big trouble, they'll probably fire him. I can see that happening. But we haven't even eaten turkey yet, and now the Knicks are above 500, where they want to be. So, these are premature, you know, thoughts. And I get, like I said earlier, I prefaced the Thunder game by saying, after the game was over, I can understand that being said then. A lot of those people have piped down now because the Knicks have won two really tough road games. And that's how it goes. But 
remember this the next time the Knicks lose a tough game. Like, this is why fans don't run teams. That's the best way I could say it. So impulsive. Just fire him. Get him out of here. Okay. And then what? You're out of your wit. You're out of. You've rubbed the lamp. Your first wish was infinite money, infinite power, fire Tom Thibodeau. You're out of wishes. There's no plan left. Now what are you going to do? You've run out of it. You've run out of ideas. It's just fire Tom Thibodeau. I don't care what happens next. Doesn't work that way. Not how it goes. So that, to me, was was why I got a little infuriated. Watching and watching some clips, listening to some of the people out there talk about it. With no, with no plan for what happens afterwards. So that's my stance. I, I don't think the Knicks need to be trigger-happy here. I really don't. They have to win. They have to get more wins on the board before, especially Christmas in particular. By Christmas Day, I want—I would want the Knicks to be a few games over 500 going into the new year to really kind of set, off, set it off and, and move it forward towards a playoff spot, potentially. And Tom Thibodeau said it, it comes down to consistency. The Knicks didn't do that last year. The month of February derailed their whole season. We'll see if this Knicks team can avoid that fate. But just saying fire Tom Thibodeau. When the East is wide open, the Knicks are right in the thick of it. Now they're above 500. And if they can, if they can get out of this five-game road trip with more wins than losses... Knicks are going to be in pretty good shape. Again, the schedule doesn't get easier. But this was a really tough stretch for the Knicks. And like I said, before this road trip began, if the Knicks could end the road trip above 500, they'd be in dreamland. The Knicks would be in tremendous shape for the time being, for the short term. They'd be in really good shape. And they're a win away from doing that. So we'll, we'll see, or I guess technically two, to, to make it secure. But if the Knicks can even be 500 at the end of this road trip, they'll take that. No question. And it'll be Golden State next, and we'll see how they do with the defending champs. We'll take a break. State of the NBA, surprises, disappointments, and we'll wrap up the show next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Second half of the show, let's take a look at the rest of the NBA as we've hit pretty much the 15-game mark, 16-game mark in the regular season. It's kind of a first checkpoint in the season as we get close to Thanksgiving Day. Figured it was the right time to 
look around the league and see who's impressing, see who is struggling to this point in the season. And I actually want to start with the West, because I feel like the Western Conference has a lot of bleep going on. It, a, lot of, a lot of teams in places where we didn't expect them to be. And I feel like this is a good place to start, and we'll finish with the East, and then we'll wrap up the show for the week. Starting right from the bottom, and I said this team would not uh, would do well to make the playoffs, but I, I'll be honest, I did not expect the Lakers to be 3-10 and through the first 13 games of the season. I really didn't. I really, I'm telling you, I, I, I know, I, listen, I'm down on the Lakers, everyone's down on the Lakers, but 3-10? and they have one of the worst records in the NBA through their first 13 games. There's literally only two teams that have a worse record than the Lakers, and it's the, the Pistons and the Rockets. Lakers are going to be in the lottery if they keep this up. Man, especially after coming off a year where they missed the playoffs, Lakers are just stuck. They're just stuck right now with what they have, and, and they're not winning games. And I can't say it's shocking. I can't say it's shocking other than the record. You look at the play on the court, and you're not surprised. It, it just surprised they haven't won a few more games. That, that's really the only surprise, slightly. You know, the Lakers are stuck, and they really can't do much at the trade deadline, potentially, either, to try to fix this. So, this could be, this legitimately could be a year where the Lakers could be in the top three or four in the lottery going in to to the draft. It's remarkable, considering that they have AD and LeBron, and again, an aging Russell Westbrook, but the point remains. It's pretty stunning. Pretty stunning that this is where they find themselves early in the season. Not sure they're going to be able to recover, because the, the West is really deep. It's really deep. Golden State's the next on the list, and they're 6-9. and nine. Six and nine. And and to me, and it's actually a similar thing with the Lakers, although in fewer games, the Lakers and the Warriors this season, on the road, are a combined 0-13. Lakers are 0-5 away from whatever the heck they're calling their arena nowadays in L.A., the artists formerly known as the Staples Center. And Golden State's 0-8. Eight. They're actually six and one at home, doing fine in the Bay. But oh and eight on the road, the champions. That that is that's pretty shocking. I I, I didn't realize that until I was preparing for the show. I didn't realize they had not won a road game yet. Six and nine. You're kind of like okay, and then you then you see that, and you go oh that's a big problem. That's a big issue. Again, early in the season, but remember, Golden State clinched the finals on the road. This has been a Golden State Warriors, you know, semi-dynasty, if you will, where they've been really good on the road, regular season and playoffs. Some of their key wins to their championships have come on the road, and they're o and o out o out of their first eight road games to start the season. And I remember, I remember, I remember, I, I and again, I, it's early to look back at predictions, but I remember, I remember I said, like, 
I didn't expect this to, to be an issue with Draymond and stuff like that. I'm not even saying it is, but Golden State, there's just, I don't, I don't know, they lost their backbone. Maybe a little too, too early of a take to say that, but that is not a great look to, to start the season as defending NBA champions. My goodness. A little bit of a surprise that the, the Thunder are ahead of them. It's 7-8, and eight, early doors, but that is pretty remarkable. Next, next surprise is that the Kings are in eighth. Now, to be fair, they're, they're, they're really on the back of this four-game winning streak that they've been on recently. They've won their last four games. And, you know, listen, the Kings are going to king. You know, they're, they're, sometimes they're going to be good. Sometimes they're not going to be great. But to be fair, they, they just, they're coming off a really incredibly dominant win over Brooklyn last time out. They put up 153 on the Nets in a 153 121 win. They beat the Warriors at home. They won, went to L.A. and beat the Lakers. And they beat the Cavs at home as well during the four-game winning streak. And they've won five of their last uh, six on the bounce. The only loss was a three-point defeat at Golden State. So I'm not saying the Kings are for real, but they're playing pretty well right now. So a little bit of a surprise to see them where they are. Pelicans, you know, Zion when he's in there, man. They're pretty dangerous. Nine and six, we'll, we, will, we will see, right? We'll see on them, but some some positives. We might, we might be hearing from the Pelicans, I dropped my phone, uh, late in the season. Late in this season. They could definitely, they can stay healthy. Like, like we say every year, right? If they could stay healthy, the Pelicans, they could be dangerous. They could be a really interesting foe in the postseason. Have to shout out one more time the Utah Jazz. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw this coming. Come on. Nobody. Not a soul. If you saw this coming, you're a, you're a time traveler. You're a time traveler. That, 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 that's the only explanation. You went to the future 16 games into Utah's season. So they're 10-6, and six, and you came back and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not too sure they're going to get off to a slow start. Here they are, and I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but they're a game out of first place. That's the shocking part. They're tied for third on, you know, on record with Phoenix and Denver for second place in the West. On tiebreakers, I guess they're in fourth, but they're one game back of the arguably the other biggest surprise in the West. The first place Portland Trailblazers. I'm sorry, what? 14 games in, and the Blazers are 10-4, first in the West, and they have the best road record in the entire conference. They're 6-2 away from home. It's the joint best road record in the whole NBA with the Boston Celtics, who are the leaders in the East. It's a remarkable start to the season, and 8 of the 10 wins that Portland has are against the West. Really Really impressive to see what they've done so far. Man, oh man. A lot going on there. The East, there's there's not as many. That's kind of why I wanted to finish the show off with that. For me, one of the biggest surprises, and part of it's because they're not healthy, is Charlotte. They've lost nine of their last ten and have won once at home all season. They're one and six at home. It's the worst home record, I believe. Um, I believe it's the worst home record in the NBA, 1-6. So the Hornets' at home has not been 
where the heart is for the Hornets so far this season. They've, they've actually won more road games than home games this season. They've been terrible of late. They're 4-12. and They have one of the worst records in the NBA. When they get healthy, we'll see. But if they dig, if they dig too deep of a hole, they might not be able to get out of it. You know, that's going to be the dangerous part. Honestly, the only other team that's a little out of place right now, I'd argue, is Miami. 7-8 and eight through the first 15. They once again dropped below 500 with a loss the other night. Miami on the road this season is 1-4. They've struggled against Eastern Conference teams this season. They're up and down in their, in their conference foe matchups. And I don't know where Miami's going to finish. I'm really starting to... Listen, we're starting to see Boston and Milwaukee build a bit of a lead. You know, then there's that group of boy, is it is it seven teams? There's like seven teams that are a game and a half in between each other. And there's eight within two games. That's where Miami finally fits in. But the Hawks, Cavs, Raptors, Pacers, Wizards, Knicks, Sixers, and Heat are all within two games. You throw in the Nets and the Bulls. That's 10 teams within three games of each other in the East. So it's very, very tight in the East. Knicks are eighth right now at eight and seven. They're tied with the Wiz Kids from the DC area. So we'll see. The East, other than that, is pretty straightforward. Maybe the Pacers have been a little bit of a surprise, but it's so tight in the East that, you, you know, it's. It's still early, right? The West has a lot of big surprises that when you look at the margin that certain teams are ahead or behind, that's when you start to wonder, is this start going to hurt them when we get to the, you know, to the dog days of the season, we get to February and to March, they might not have enough time to recover them. You know, the Lakers come to mind. The, The Warriors might be in a little bit of trouble. Same with the Clippers, by the way, didn't mention them. They're 8-7, they're in ninth, but in the West, and again, the top 10 teams are, 11 teams are separated by just three and a half games. It's very early, obviously, in the grand scheme. But that's a lot of teams to hop over. So, early season can impact sometimes the way this plays out. There's definitely some teams where you look around and you just go, wow, how did they end up there? The Lakers are one in the grand scheme where you just go, wow, what, the championship two years ago in the bubble, now they're in the well, not even 11th, sorry, they're in 14th? 14th in the West, yikes. And the Warriors in 12th through 15 games. Didn't expect that, didn't expect that at all. Very interesting in the West. And then in the East, can Charlotte get healthy? Can Indiana keep this up? You know, are the Wizards, how how big of a factor are the Wizards going to be? And are Miami, and maybe you can maybe even throw in Chicago and Brooklyn, are they going to be playing for the play-in all season? Is that where they're going to be? Is that the the place they end up? You know, Miami, I kind of thought, was a team that wasn't going to be in that conversation, but the early trends are pointing in that direction for the, the defending bridesmaids in the Eastern Conference a season to go to the Boston Celtics. That'll do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving. I know I'll we'll, we'll do one more show before that, but it'll be on the Wednesday to go up on the Friday. So have a great holiday season as always. I'll talk to you before Thanksgiving. Until then, have a great week, and I will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast 
network. 